Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And our episode today, we're going to jump back into our interview sessions. Today, we're going to be welcoming Maureen Jensen. But first, let's set the stage. Greg and I have been friends for a long time, and we had an extremely important technical difficulty before we went on the air. Yeah, yeah. Greg uh, Greg is probably one of the only people that doesn't know his uh, home uh, Wi-Fi password. Uh, my wife, Josette, is the brains of the family, and uh, she know, and she, she was a math grad from uh, University of Waterloo, so she remembers every number. I, I remember my phone number, which was, is that's about the level. We have different gifts, so unfortunately, she's tutoring right now. And therefore, we had to adapt and use my computer, and uh, um, and I am I've made myself a note to get the password. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good thing Alster came early. Good thing. So uh, Greg and I have been friends for a long time. We've both been managers for a long time. We have both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. We have been hosting this podcast series dealing how we and others have missed the mark called the struggle to be a good manager. And as we've worked through the podcast series, we realize there might be others who have had experiences that aren't ours. So let's invite them and offer them a seat at the table at the diner and just have a great discussion. And with everything else we do, we want to have a good, healthy conversation. Greg, I think we're going to have a good conversation today. Oh yeah, I'm very excited. So we're going to be interviewing Maureen Jensen today. Welcome, Maureen. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. Yeah, we had a nice chat before we caught up and then Greg and Maureen started talking. I thought, I don't know if I actually need to be here today because they seem to be getting <laughs> along very well. <laughs> yeah. And we and we learned that we have a shared um, low level of golf skill, uh, um, uh, but we still enjoy it. And we ha and it's more about community and connecting and having fun. So it's another com thing we have in common. Maureen, I'm just going to introduce you to uh, our listening audience here. So Maureen has been a leader in the Canadian investment industry and securities regulation for more than 20 years. She is the past chair and CEO of the Ontario Securities Commission from 2016 to 2020. As the first woman lead of the OSC, Maureen has, a fierce, has been a fierce advocate for investor protection and a champion for reducing the regulatory burden on business. Prior to her appointment as chair, Maureen served as the executive director and the chief administrative officer of the OSC from 211 to 216, and was the Senior Vice President, Surveillance and Compliance at IROC from 2008 to 2011. Prior to the formation of IROC in 2008, Maureen was President and CEO of Market Regulation Services, Inc., the independent national market regulation services provider for the Canadian equity markets. Maureen also held senior regulatory and business positions at the Toronto Stock Exchange and before had a 20-year career in the mining industry, holding both executive and technical management positions with public resource companies. Maureen has a Bachelor of Science in Geology, is a registered professional geoscientist, holds an ICD designation from the Institute of Corporate Directors, a GCB from Competent Boards, and has a Honorary Doctorate of Laws from the University of Windsor. She's currently the chair of the Canadian Ombudsman for Banking Services and Investments, a public governor for FINRA in the U.S., and is a director of Franco Nevada Corporation, the Neo Stock Exchange, and the Prosperity Project, which we're going to have to ask you about. Maureen is an inductee into the IIAC Investment Industry Hall of Fame in 2020 and the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame in 2022. Maureen, welcome mm -hmm. to our podcast. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. 
Uh, I couldn't have done any of those jobs without being a manager. So I'm interested to have our conversation today. Wow. I'm I'm so excited to uh, to be a part of this journey, too. As I said before on the call, that Alistair uh, was so excited uh, when you had, uh, in your busy schedule, had been able to find time to join us. And, and I've, I've heard about you from afar, so it's great to actually dive a little bit deep about your uh, experiences and uh, just really some of the things you've been doing. I particularly love the geology beginning. And then, you know, what I know your background for is nothing to do with... Uh, um, mining or everything. Now that started in your career. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about as you went through your journey, we, um, and, and I would say probably as a woman in leadership in the mining industry, um, and also in some of these other industries, um, it's not an easy, it's not an easy go. Um, uh, and I would love to kind of, uh, uh, get your, we often start with just what are some of those experiences, those, uh, special memories and moments of of leaders that have positively influenced you have helped you grow because as you said you've got lots of management experience and <laughs> uh Alistair and I often talk and we're going to get to this there are those experiences that really are great that help strengthen us and there are the elements that aren't so great they also help strengthen us but we're going to start with the great ones so I'd love okay. you to just kind of share of as you think about your career and multiple industries and that, what's one or two examples of leadership that you that really inspired you and helped you become the leader you've become? Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, there's good and bad, and they both form you, right? So let's start with the good. Um, I was very lucky when I started in the mining business. I was on the exploration side, and so I was always going into the bush or for me, it was the tundra because I did most of my uh, early work in, in the north. And um, there I had uh, a field boss. My manager uh, was a woman and uh, she was just a few years older than me. And she was great. She was super organized. She uh, loved what she did. And I have to tell you that in the mining business, when you start out as a geologist, you really love what you do because you go to some awful places and if you don't love it, you don't last. And, but she was, you know, super organized, calm, trustworthy, uh, taught uh, a lot of personal lessons about how to get out of situations. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a good example. Um, the second year that I was working with her, uh, we flew in in two, uh, two planes to the middle of, um, of the Northwest Territories or what's now known of it. And um, the weather closed in and the one flight landed on the ice in May. And the second flight was delayed three days. Well, the second flight had all the food and uh, it had some of the people. So we had lots of, you know, drill rods and everything else, but we had no food. And it closed in for three days and we were really cold and frozen. And we had one tent that was built. And so, you know, her calmness through that whole thing just set the tone for us getting along together as a whole team. And so there were only about 16 of us uh, on that. So um, after three days, we were a little weaker. Uh, There was lots of snow, so we had lots of water. But um, when that flight showed up, I tell you, we were organized like the army. We walked out that one kilometer onto the ice and we were right into that food like you wouldn't believe. But she kept us together. Well, I love that. You know, I, I, I wrote a book a while back called "In Search of Safe, Brave Spaces," and my 
my findings were that the best environments are ones with leaders that create a safe space where even through strife and and churn, there's a calmness, there's a subtleness. Yeah. Uh, and brave is the other side of it that nudge you to try stuff that maybe you're uncomfortable, but in a respectful way. And so that certainly actually was a beautiful description. Uh, you know, when you're when you're when you're stuck in that crisis as a leader, how do you just hold on to the space? How do you help us get focused? How do you, uh, you know, help us not get too excited? Um, uh, that's yeah. a that's a powerful story. And and there are some people who just wanted to run around and and you know with their hair on fire, and other people who were just calm. Mm. And a leader is one that tries to get that calmness and really take out down everyone's temperature. Mm. But she also had this wonderful love for the business, and so that really set me up for wanting to be not only a manager, but to move up in the business. Mm. Yeah, you can't, that that uh, that heart, you know, having the head and the heart, but that add that passion for the business. I would agree yeah. 100% that the best leaders m- make it personal in a positive mm-hmm. way, that it is something you can be passionate about and you're, you want to serve them, you want to support them, you want to yeah. deliver for them. Wow. So, so what, what did she do that you had that sense that she just loved and was passionate about the business? What were the things that you saw in her that, that created that? Well, a lot of things that I continue to this day, the, the love of learning, always wanting to know more. Um, the idea that you really know what the end result is that the company's trying to, to find and that you focus on that. Otherwise, it can be purely academic. I've worked with other leaders who, while they were very, very smart, they wanted to map and do all these things and drill the holes, but they never had that spark of, so what does this all mean? Mm. And so that that's another thing that you have to have. So that's that love of the business. Um, and, you know, I've had that multiple times in my career. And, uh, you know, steep learning curves, we talked before about uh, about, you know, what motivates me. I love to learn all the time. And so um, trying new things, deep learning curves, finding, looking around the room and trying to find that person that uh, you really want to emulate mm. and also identifying quietly uh, the people that you won't emulate because of the results they get with their actions. I, I really like that, Maureen. I love the the attributes you attributed to that, that first boss of yours um, and, and that person that calmness is something that uh i have come to just so love in in leadership that in people mm-hmm. that i've worked for and stuff like that because when you have that opposite it's a very different situation and and part of the 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 setup for this podcast series that we've been doing for two and a half years greg is uh also to embrace the negative situations that we've been in whether we caused them or somebody else caused them this has been a bit of a a journey for us to take a look at how we developed and some of the things we've done well and some of the things that we've done not so well. So were there some experiences that weren't as enabling that you used as a, a way to learn maybe how not to approach something or how not to do something? Oh, yes. <laughs> Many. <laughs> um, and, um, well, let's. Uh, I had a particular boss who was... Um, you know, very smart and and very successful, but had a horrible temper and um, wouldn't show all the time. But whenever he was feeling very, very pressed, he would be really 
aggressive. He'd like to yell a lot. Um, but he also started throwing, remember everybody had date books back in the day, right? They don't throw their, their phones because they're too expensive to replace. <laughs> he would, he would throw his date book at me, you know, wow. just like wing it and really try hard to hit me. And there were holes in the drywall where, where he would miss. And, but he just thought that was his way of doing things. And I just thought, whoa, there is one activity I will never do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think back in my, my earlier careers, I don't know which career I'm on right now. I think it's four, something like that. But in my early in my police career, uh, in a paramilitary organization, uh, is interesting because the people that I gravitated to were the quiet, confident people that just got stuff done, whether it was within the station or mm-hmm. the, the building that we were operating in or on the street or during an investigation out, out, out and about. And, and it was those people that had the temper that yelled a lot. Uh, it didn't take too long for me to figure out that, you know what, I'm not really learning much from these people and I don't know mm-hmm. if I trust them. I don't know if I'm going to go in the door first if they're behind me. But what I learned really quickly, it's those people that have this quiet confidence that measure their words, that read the room, that that are really, uh, and you talked about uh, your previous, uh, that manager that loved the business, that loved the business that I was in and, and always wanted, you know, we'd have chit chat and we'd start talking about, well, this is why we did this and this is what, you know, this mm-hmm. is the aim of what we want to do. I love that. And I, I think that's one of the early things that I learned about relating to leadership and, and managers and stuff was is those quiet, confident people that knew what was going on. They were confident and competent. And also yeah. they they would have you would just have good conversations. And you know what? They would have to correct you at times, but they did it in such a measured way that you know, okay, I'm in trouble, but they're doing it because they want me to be a better person and to be better at what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um you know, I've had leaders that were, as I told you, quiet, confident, willing to help you. And then I've had people who were absolute rock stars in their field. And yet they never listened. Mm. They never stopped talking long enough to hear anyone else. You remember the old thing, we have one mouth and two eyes and two ears, right? It's just because we should step back and think and listen. And so... um I would say to you that even a super smart person that is a rock star, they can't manage people if they never listen. Yeah, I I love that. I just I'm just reading a book. That's I, a Gregism, by the way. Yeah, Greg, Greg says that all the time. I'm reading okay. a, I'm reading a book. I think it's something called Sacred Listening, and it's a bit of a spiritual book, but it's also a business book. And uh, one of the things that that our practices in there are 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 one when you ask a question. Um, like wait and just be silence the power of silence and and even giving space when there is silence and the person is thinking the best leaders are ones that just hold because sometimes it takes a while to kind of get your thoughts together to 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 pull your thoughts and then i've always said that especially for folks that report to you you should be the last person to bring ideas forward uh, yeah. uh, give the space for others to come forward. And if that it doesn't come up, then you can say, well, the one thing that I didn't hear, and I'm wondering if it's something we should consider is such and such, what do you think? And again, it provides that openness for, uh, for folks too. So I'm 100% believe. Yeah. That last point that you made is really important about, um, that things that you didn't hear. Sometimes you get so engaged in the conversation, you want to partake, but you've got to step back 
and and just wait. I made a big mistake early on in my career, one that I felt bad about. It had no implications except between me and the team member. And um, this person was negative about everything and um, was a lawyer. And uh, we were talking about a particular particular issue and he just came on like gangbusters, yak it, yak, yeah, yeah, all the re and, and I snapped. It's the only time I think I said, okay, that's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. And I felt terribly guilty about it for a few days. And I realized that I had just reached my point mm. with this person. But that's a really bad thing to do. Mm. You gotta be quiet, take a deep breath, and treat everyone with respect. I, I love that. Someone said recently that uh, a great common when someone there's th- this the two things that I've learned recently that are really great when someone's really peeving you off is uh, the there's there's two things that I'm learning that I'm I've been testing a lot and finding one is to say just like me. So if they're really annoying you, if you actually just say the words just like me, even to yourself, um, it something changes because always there's something in that person that we've done. Maybe not as much that that helps us. And the other thing that I just learned recently, which is great, is just imagine them as a four or five year old. And it, <laughs> yeah. if you think that, then you just become more curious. There's something yeah. about that changes with regards to it. But i i want to I want to tap into a little bit around some of those bad behaviors. And I'm wondering if just around what advice would you give folks that are coming up in their careers and run into the screamers run into mm-hmm. the the people that don't listen. Hopefully, they're not going to run into the the notebook throwers. But but all of these are are are, are experiences people have, and especially right now, what we're going through so much mental health and stress and issues. Often, the bad stuff, um, you yeah. know, comes out. So I'm wondering what. Yeah, and and people, yeah, people are coming back to the office and they haven't been there for a while, and so they may have some bad habits. Right. right. They haven't had to physically interact with people. Well, um, I'll tell you one thing is that uh, you, you mentioned children and it's just the top of my head. I became a better manager after I had children <laughs> um, because they do. They react so viscerally and you have to learn how to calm them down. Mm. And the way you calm them down is by being super calm yourself and don't engage in all the yelling matches because they do that because. They're, they're kids. Mm. Um, so I, I would say someone coming out, use your patience. Mm. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is you don't have to have an answer for everything. If you, if you know the answer, you can talk about the answer, but um, the important thing is don't fake it. Mm. If you don't know something, just say, I really don't know, or I will find out or, you know, that's a really good point. I'll go and find out and come back and we'll talk in a few days or whatever. Um, but I think the biggest thing is for me is be your authentic self. Mm. And um, I'm a relatively calm person and um, I like people and I like to know what makes them tick. And if you're like that, then you can talk to the people that you work with. Um, if you are more high energy, you're going to have to calm yourself down in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a person that just loves structure and you have some really unstructured people, you have to talk to them about their goals and ambitions. And, uh, and, and then, you know, 
put a schedule together so they keep to the schedule. It's all different things, but it's uh, being a manager is so rewarding because for the very first time, success is, doesn't just hinge on your own activity, mm. but it's with it's with everyone together. And boy, can you make a big impact when you do a good job. And I, I love so many great, rich um, uh, insights there with regards to, uh, you know, just uh, creating that space for them, understanding where they are. We And often many of our podcasts, we say the most important thing you can do as a, as a leader is to know your people. Because mm-hmm. if you know your people, then you can um, understand what they need. Because most of what a leader does is create the space and the environment for people to be successful, uh, to deliver against a goal that you've probably been part of creating and moving forward. It, it's mm-hmm. not about me anymore. It's about we and how do we collectively get to where we're going to go. And many of the things you described are ways to do that. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people think that, okay, I'm a manager now. I'm the boss. Mm. As opposed to, I'm a manager now. Let's do this together. Mm. right and and it's a very different view of what you're there for yeah i think it's bill zand bill zander i think is the book he was the uh uh orchestra leader of the boston pops i think and he talks mm-hmm. about leadership as a conductor um and, yeah. and and how do you create that the best music is is knowing who plays what instrument in that thing and i, I always thought that was a a powerful analogy that helps you think through what it is Exactly. And you need different people with different kinds of uh, skills and attributes to make a good team. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of what I talk about when we're talking about board members, I'm on a lot of boards now. And uh, it's, if everyone's the same, it's a bad team. Mm. You make really narrow decisions and you don't think about risks because some of the risks you don't see because you don't talk about them. Oh, I think that's so good. Uh, we, we were laughing, I don't know which podcast, which episode, uh, there's been so many, but we've always talked about how important it is. Like even within this podcast, we have two different people. You don't want a podcast with Alistair, with a bunch of Alistairs. It's Alistair all day, every day. You don't want that. You want that diversity. And one of the things that I appreciate about you is, uh, I know you have a huge interest in women on boards and what advice could you give based on your experience? that would help managers and leaders create an an environment to accelerate the participation impact of female employees in the workplace, especially Mm -hmm. at the senior executive level, because we need everybody's voices there. Yeah. um, This is a tough thing because uh, when, as you go further up in an organization and and in the bigger organizations in particular, um, people have a very fixed view of what leadership looks like and leadership doesn't look one way. And unfortunately, in North America, it has been generally a six foot tall, blue eyed male um, that graduated from the right school and, uh, you know, wears a size 38 or 40 jacket. Right. That's that's who leaders are. But that's not the case. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes and all different um, personalities. And I think for women to get ahead, well, actually for anyone who doesn't look like the standard leadership model, um, you need to really understand what the collection of skills are you need at that senior table. And not everyone will have all of them. And that's, you don't want them all to have. You want them to come from different places. Um, can you imagine having a, um, a company that, um, 
I don't know, manufactures baby clothes. And there's not a single person that's ever had a baby on that board. They won't know really anything. They won't understand what a onesie is versus a, oh, you know, three months, whatever. Um, and so it's really important at all levels in a company to really understand what skills do you need and how can I put them together? And so that's what I've always looked for, different views, different backgrounds. Um, you need people who are calm. Uh, you need, also need somebody who's going to whip up the team if you need it, right? So you need everything there at the table. What do I think you need to, to have um, diverse people in your company? Is you need to show that they're appreciated. You need to show them somewhere in the company are people that look like them so that they can get ahead. They can see someone that they want to emulate. Um, you have to make it easy for people to be able to talk about their leadership worries and and be able to uh, learn. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. And so for women on boards, you need to show them women on boards. Mm. And for women in senior leadership, you need to show that you can have an SVP that is a woman. Um, the other thing is, as far as I know, only women have babies now. Uh, maybe that will change, but if, and procreation is part of our life. And so uh, there's going to be a time in a woman's life where she is going to be doubly engaged, not, not only at work, but also in the home. And you have to find a way that they can contribute just as effectively and uh, just as well, even when they have uh, issues and, and um, that come up and they have to leave the office for a short period of time. And so I think that's, you know, being flexible. That's, that's, uh, that's so, so important. And, you know, one of the things that I've read is they, they hoped actually with the, um, you know, with COVID situation and remote work, it has shifted uh, um, some opinions with regards to mm -hmm. uh, the, and, and also uh, the confidence of people to say, no, I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to show yeah. up. I'm going to do that, which is changing the landscape considerably. And yet you still have these, you still have these, these strong views of, no, this is the way it's got to be. And, and, yeah. um, you know, you made the comment around, you know, the beautiful example of the, the children's clothing and the onesies. How many examples have we seen of products to market that fell flat because yeah. the folks that were creating it weren't, weren't diverse and they weren't reflective of the communities that the, the organization is serving. And, uh, I've That's always... Right. I've always believed that that does your board, senior executive team, whatever, look like the community that you're serving, your customers and that type of thing. If it doesn't, you're in trouble uh, to begin with because you're not yeah. going to have the voices. You're not going to have the insights and the ideas that are going forward. Um, well, you might be able to get them, but you have to work awfully hard at doing that. Right. And And then they're not going to be sitting at the table when you're making all of those small decisions that lead you down a bad path. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's, I think that's really important. Yeah. And we still have a long ways to go. Uh, you know, some recent data talked about the numbers of in particular women in on, on boards is getting a bit better, but uh, on, but senior, senior teams. And 
I don't know. I I I was I was blessed with uh, strong women in my family. I mean, my sister was the general manager of Levi Strauss Australia and uh, and New Zealand, and she tells the story. I'm not even sure I'm supposed to tell this. What's it's a long time ago, but <laughs> she tells the story of when she was in a, two stories that are kind of funny but sad. One was they said, uh, uh, "Gentlemen and Karen, that we're going to go for lunch now," because all the all the other CEOs and general managers were were men. And the other fun story is my brother-in-law, they were flying back on Qantas and, um, and my sister and my brother-in-law, who was a stay-at-home dad, were sitting in the business class and uh, the um, co-pilot, this is pre-9-11, um, the co-pilot came back and said, Mr. Hanna, would you like to come and, and for takeoff? And he said, sure. <laughs> and he gets to the game and they get up there and they say, so how's the business at Levi's going? He said, I don't know. You have to ask my wife. She's back there. <laughs> so, but, but part of it is how do you, how do how are you aware of it? And we talk in our podcast, you know, look around the room and who's not here, whose voice isn't being right. heard here. And, and then, uh, uh, who's, whoever's not here, make sure they're in the room. But then the second thing is if they're in the room, whose voice isn't being heard? Cause they may be in the room, but if their voice isn't being heard, if you're not creating that space for them, right. that's so, so important um, and, um, uh, so, uh, along with many things you said for sure. Right. And, and that's one of the issues that we're seeing right now is that a lot of women, young women who, um, are very active in their business, but at the same time, they're at home. They're not in the room. Their voices aren't being heard. And, and we know that FaceTime still matters, mm-hmm. right? The world hasn't changed in three years. In some ways it has. And so if you're not in the room, you're going to be passed over for many things. And I just want to have a a funny story for you about um, uh, something that happened to me. I did a lot of work in South Africa. We, uh, The company that I was running uh, had purchased a a company, a private company out of South Africa, and we had to sign a deal with a joint venture partner. So we're in this boardroom in Johannesburg, and uh, I'm sitting there along with my general manager and uh, the, uh, the board of the other company comes in the CEO and sits down and he looks at me and he asked me to go get him a cup of tea because he didn't know that I was the CEO of the company that he was signing the deal Mm. with Mm. and so what was your response to that as uh, as, I'm just curious of how how, I got him a cup of tea and then went over and told him I'm the CEO and now he can get me mine (laughs) (laughs) I love that but again that is uh you know and that's a beautiful strength I think is uh how do you respond in a uh, uh, a kind, calm, respectful, and yet direct way? Because we mm-hmm. don't shift things. And, you know, this whole concept of safe, brave, if we're not brave at moments, but you can be brave and kind at the same time. Uh, you know, you, yeah, right. or there might be a different descriptor than, than just kind, but, but how do you, we're not going to shift things if we don't mm-hmm. say, you know what, we've got to find a better way to ensure that our women leader who are are juggling multiple responsibilities, both in the organization and outside of the organization, because of our the way our world is, how do we mm-hmm. find ways to ensure their voices here, that they have the same opportunities for growth um, in, in those areas? But it, but it, mm-hmm. it takes a proactive, um, brave stance to say, we're not going to do the way we used to do. Yeah, but part of that was, um, I mean, it's very difficult to do those kinds of things, especially when they're very powerful people. Mm. But um, part of being a manager is that you learn to kind of just take a deep breath and gulp 
Mm. And uh, try and get over what you're feeling. Like, I want to go and poke your eyes out. <laughs> you can't do that. Yes. And and then just let it happen. Mm. Really good. Yeah, we talk a lot about the the uh, one of the greatest strengths for leaders these days is to be more present. And to understand your energy in your body and understand when it's going up and when it's going really mm -hmm. low and just managing that and creating that space, that pause that you talked about earlier of, of breathing and, and then saying, what do I need to do in this moment? And, and actually channeling some of that energy, that poking your eye out energy into something that's <laughs> yeah. going to move the needle forward or shift something to a better place. Yeah. Um, but it's but, but it's hard to do. It's hard. It's, it's hard for anyone to do it, right? Sometimes the manager will, somebody will come into their office and they'll be yelling and screaming about something somebody's done and you've got to just kind of mm. pause and, and everyone will learn it eventually, right? except the ones that, that keep talking and then they don't learn. That's true. That's true. Now I have one last question, Alistair, before I forget is that is because uh, I, we, before we got on the line and you've been talking about one of the strengths that early leaders gave you and you particular are, you're a learner. You love to mm -hmm. learn and grow and learn. And, and, uh, I'd love you to share what you shared at the beginning of your career path. Because as I said, I looked at you. First of all, I said you're a geologist. And what, what I knew you from was all in the Securities Commission and that type of thing. I said, right. so how the heck did a geologist um, get into this field? But you were talking about kind of a, an approach you've taken through your career that I think would be just really helpful for folks uh, because things are changing quickly. But t tell, tell us, if you could, your, mm -hmm. your pathway to growth and learning. And, and sometimes it happens by accident, and then you realize that this cadence in your career is something that works well for you. So I was in the mining business, as I said, for 20 years. And then uh, one thing led to another, and there was something called Briex. You remember mm -hmm. Briex? And so, um, and of course, that was going to be very difficult for mining companies. But one of the things it did was it made the stock exchanges start looking for people who actually understood the mining business. Well, one thing led to another, and I changed jobs, and I became a director of mining services. But one thing I found out was I was I loved geology, and I liked the mining business, but I really loved science, and I loved technology. And so I suddenly transferred into a place that was all about technology and numbers, and I, I started learning more about that. And then as time went on, I... I was involved with surveillance and it was very interesting and it was all about math algorithms and it was all about data. So I moved and did that, but one thing led to another and I started moving up. So every five years or roughly, I changed jobs or at least started looking to change jobs. And for me, it was important because um, I love that steep learning curve. We talked about that earlier. And, and for me, that was, you know, drinking from a fire hose learning is just so interesting. And and as an outsider, you also have different viewpoints. Mm. And so you start seeing things that maybe others wouldn't have seen. And so that's when I started moving. And um, I like managing people. And um, one thing led to another. And I like being the boss. <laughs> well, well, well I, I love that we we I was just at a two day offsite and we were talking about this power of what we call learning agility. It's one of the new terms and it's about really people learning and growing 
across organizations and to hold on to talent and going forward. And what I loved about your your uh, your story is, you know, you you start with what you love and what you're good at, but then there's the then what's around that? What's the, the what's mm-hmm. the spaces that are close to that you can stretch in to move and and in your story, what I think I heard was I'm here, but the adjacent learning, which has some of the things I already know, but some things that I don't know, I'm going to move right. into there. I'm going to move to there. So it creates this breadth of experience and perspective that really allows you to be such a stronger leader because you have viewpoints from many angles that allows mm-hmm. you to be more open to different views and perspectives, but also yourself, you see things differently. Right. And the other thing is, if you look at the dynamics in a company, large or small, um, there's often very few opportunities for you to move up. But if you look in an organization, you can often find an opportunity that is really engaging. That's a sideways motion. Mm. And you learn a lot more and then you start to stand out. And then maybe you do another sideways one. And before you know it, you know everything about that company. And you start being a target for moving up even further. So, you know, it's learning is, is great. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you move. And that's how you grow as a person. Yeah. And at the same time, you're building relationship in each of those departments. In so you're building those, those strengths and community across as well as knowledge, which is pretty powerful. Or you get to go to another company because they see how good you are and how much experience and knowledge you have. That's right. And then you get poached and you go somewhere else and you start learning. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> for sure. Love uh, that. Uh, I think we've covered all, we kind of, uh, had some questions for you, Maureen, but I think we've mm-hmm. basically covered them all in a really wonderful roundabout way. But I think what is going to be very helpful here is a bit of final thoughts. So we'll let you go first, Maureen. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any final thoughts on all of this, on all the subject matters that we've talked about, or maybe things that we haven't talked about yet? Um, well, I think the one final thought I had when we just touched on it is looking for new opportunities. Um, you know, learn as much as you can from every position you're in and uh, start looking across the organization. If you love the organization, why would you move? Mm. Start looking at things where you can grow personally and, and move through the organization. As I said, sometimes you have to leave and try something brand new. Um, and, and, and you should do that. But don't leave a, don't leave a position uh, without having a new one to go to. Really make sure that you look after yourself and those people in your life so that there's no big, you know, scare coming. Um, I would say that uh, just finishing up, um, I've continued to learn in, in my new career as being on board. Um, I uh, I'm just finished writing a book with a co-author. And uh, so it's about, uh, it's a primer for directors. Um, corporate governance DNA, it's called. And so it's um, soon going to the uh, publisher. Wow. So, we might so have to have you back, Marie. We might have to have you back, Marie. <laughs> I don't know. Corporate governance, everybody will fall asleep. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I don't think with the three of us talking, anybody's going to fall asleep. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's good. Yeah. Life is good. And, uh, you know, just keep learning. I love that. And, you know, one of the, there's so much that I picked up on here. Uh, you know, of, of from a leadership perspective and a growth perspective. One build on what you just said for me is that I would add is that if you um, um, 
if you know it, discover what you love, um, discover what you're good at, discover what you want to explore more, and then talk to somebody about it. Because often what mm-hmm. folks will do is they 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 don't have that final conversation. I was just I was coaching a young man um, just just last week, and he's brilliant. Um, and he was a bit churny and, um, and he came to the conclusion, well, you know what, I think I'm going to talk to, uh, the, 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 the GM of this organization, because I really see some opportunities where I could apply myself. And I said, well, what's the worst that going to happen? The worst going to happen is that they don't have a spot for you and you may have to go somewhere else, but how much better would it be to your point, Maureen, to be able to, uh, to find a place in the place you love to contribute your skills and passions towards something that you're still going to learn. So, you mm-hmm. know, actually having that conversation, it's scary. Like we've talked about all many of these conversations are scary, but how do you, how do you be bold and brave and have those conversations? Yeah. And, and recognize that in a company, it's, it's not all about you. Mm-hmm. It's about what they're doing. It's about making a difference. And if making a difference is important to you, Pointing out where you can and have opportunities to do that is a great thing. Maybe you love your job and you want to try your management skills someplace else. You can you can volunteer at a not-for-profit mm-hmm. and show off, strut your stuff, and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ways to feel very satisfied being a manager. That's a great great thought. So so, Maureen, there. Uh, when I knew you were coming on, two things really jumped to mind because we've known each other for a long time, and mm-hmm. and there's two. Uh, situations that I, I learned a lot about uh, dealing with people. Uh, and one of them was you and I and a bunch of other people were in a meeting and the meeting was about myself and another manager going to deal with stakeholders. And there was this kind of cost benefit analysis to what we were doing. And, and uh, I was a little concerned with, not that we weren't going to be able to do it, but just the process of, of doing the, the role that we'd been asked to do. And I remember you sat down beside me and we all kind of joked around. Then you leaned over, and you just touched my arm and says, we're going to work this out. And, and for me, it was such a, a wonderful example of, um, and Greg has all the, the fancy words, but the proximity of it and, and just acknowledging that uh, we're entering into something that was going to be an interesting ride. And that you understood that and that we were all going to work around this and we we're going to have the support to do what we we're going to do. And I thought, you know what, that was just a wonderful example of of taking um, kind of the anxiety out of the room and, and that, OK, we're just going to work this out. And it's whatever it's going to be, it's what going to be. And then I remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the company town hall. Mm-hmm. And the minute we started talking about it, you went uh, interview format. I went, Maureen. Inside my head, I didn't say it on the I didn't say it on the <laughs> podcast because I remember uh, you did a series of town halls where you were interviewed by another senior executive, and I think there was something going on in the organization. I can't remember what it was. Uh, there was always something going on, but you sat mm-hmm. there and you were interviewed, and there was I think some prepared questions. But what I liked about it was there was also uh, a free Q and A session, and you sat there and you answered some questions. There's some some questions you didn't have the answer to. And I thought when we did that town hall, mm. um, all of a sudden it popped and went, oh, I remember this. Like Maureen's coming to talk to us in a couple of weeks. This is going to come up. And I just think mm-hmm. it was just such a, a good example of, uh, I don't think it was always comfortable uh, up there for you when you were answering some of those questions. But uh, as a person that was sitting there, and I know there's other people around me, the usual gang, and I just thought it was a good example of something had to be said. And it was just a great way to talk about things. And I felt informed. I felt part of the crew that was going to be dealing with things. 
And, mm -hmm. and those are, every time I work for somebody, there's always a couple really, really good things that pop out. And, and those are the two that kind of pop for me. And a lot of it was some of the prior discussions Greg and I have had about various topics. So uh, yeah. this has been great for us to sit here and talk to you. I, I think we could probably go for hours. And I think you should come <laughs> back when you do your book. We don't necessarily have to talk about the book, but we can certainly plug it for sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's got to be a market for it. You're writing a book about it. So, uh, yes, there we, is. <laughs> so we can talk about that later. But, but you know, a lot of things about good corporate governance are the same things about being a good manager. You know, listen, don't try and be the smartest person in the room. Mm, I right? agree. I agree. Do your homework. I agree. These are all just normal things. So, Maureen, before we go into kind of a closing thing, um, let us know what you have going on. Do you have anything that you want to plug, anything you're, you're, you're doing, any interests that you have that you think uh, people would be interested in or they should know about? Um, well, I'm, I'm on a few boards, but the one that I should talk to you about is called the Prosperity Project. And it was specifically about women and what was happening to them as COVID started. And they were home, no school, no daycare, no nothing. And they were trying to work. And so uh, we started this project to really say, are we going to go backwards? And uh, backwards meaning, you know, 35 years ago, um, when I had a boss that told me, uh, don't push so hard, Maureen. You know, us old guys, we're going to just, we're going to retire and everybody's going to be equal. Well, that never happened. Mm. And so um, we were worried that it was going to be the same thing for COVID. So we've done a lot of really interesting things there, uh, including doing a survey about where women and diverse women are in corporate boards. And we do an annual report and that is pretty interesting. And we also do all kinds of sessions for women who are starting out in their careers and thinking about how do I get to my next step? So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, the other one is I told you I was doing board work. I'm still mentoring quite a few people, trying to help them get to that next phase in their career. And uh, that's about it. Keeping busy and trying to keep learning. If there's a website or anything for the Prosperity Project, uh, Maureen, just send it to me on an email. We'll put it in our show notes. So if somebody okay. wants to click on it and, and, and look for more information, that'd be great. Uh, we have so appreciate, before Greg and I go into a closing routine here, uh, thank you very much for, for coming on and talking to us. I, I learned a lot and I think uh, for sure our listeners are going to be, you know, there's so much there. Like, I think we're going to be thinking about this for the next couple of weeks. There might be some topics coming out of this, this talk. I think there will. And I, again, I would echo your uh, comments, Alistair. I so enjoyed meeting with you. Love your insights, your energy. Uh, Want to find more about the Prosperity Project. I think it is a, an important aspect. I, too, love to mentor and support mm -hmm. folks. And I think that's how we give back. That's how we create a difference in moving forward. So yeah. I'm excited to hear more about that as well. Okay, great. I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's so easy to talk to the two of you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. That's great. So folks, uh, we hope that uh, some of what we have spoken about you find helpful. We hope we didn't say anything that you found offensive or made you angry. But Greg, I think we need to hear your closing philosophy again, because we were talking about a lot of stuff today. Yeah, we were. It's always interesting. This is, uh, we, we, we end each of our podcasts this way is, uh, my first coach, she, uh, she, she taught me this lesson. She said, in our coaching sessions, there are going to be times when you're going to feel joy, excitement, uh, something you've done right and are moving forward. And there's other times that you're going to feel crunchy. 
and a little peeved off because normally you maybe hit a note where you're not moving forward as fast as you need to be, or you maybe misstep. And she said, you know, both are beautiful things if you choose to take those and following the learning uh, dis- discussion that we had, it's learning from them. And sometimes it's the crunchy stuff that accelerates the learning the most, uh, but both are good. So we actually hope in our podcast that we create a little bit of chunkiness and and lots of joy. And in both circumstances, we we hope that you'll reflect, uh, learn, and apply that to your future. And I don't know what's going on in Illinois, though, Greg. Uh, we like to do shout-outs uh, at the end of our, our uh, podcast here. And uh, uh, I don't usually give four shout-outs, but uh, I, don't, it's, I think all these places are just outside of Chicago. So Gurney, Illinois. Lake in the Woods, Illinois, which I just have to go to because it just sounds so nice. West Dundee, Illinois. And then Palatin, Illinois. So I don't know what's going on. Do you know people there? I don't think I do. Ah, uh, you know what? There's a number of folks that are uh, I know that are working out of there. But this is just you know you never know. It's it's uh, someone who listens and something resonates. And we always say that in our podcast, no matter where you are in the world, we're 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 managing and dealing with people. And uh, and the things are common, cultural differences for sure. But many of the things that we've talked about are common. So we're excited. Welcome Illinois, all of you in Illinois that <laughs> from all those areas. We're excited that you're joining us. And we'd like to thank Maureen Jensen for joining us. And remember, folks, take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.